The fiber profile has made almost 1.5 million. Based on what I have paid out my writers over the last few years, I can say that I made 1 million of it by myself. So for everyone hearing that, Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Financial Independence Show, where today we have on Alex Fasulo, who we had on nearly 150 episodes ago, talking about how she's making over $350,000 per year on Fiverr, and we kind of get an update of how she's built that into a full-on business, as if it wasn't before. But before we do that, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Yeah, this weekend we were just around Austin again, but had some cool little local events. One of them was this interesting uh, Halloween bash thing. It was it was advertising itself as a, a DJ slash glow party. So we didn't really know what to expect. And I didn't have a Halloween costume. So I decided, hey, I've got these LED light strips that I was going to just return to Amazon and they told me to keep them. So I've got those. I've got this huge battery pack. So I'll throw that on my back and I'll just strap all these LEDs all over my body. So I got like 50 feet of these little LED strips that you would normally put like under your cabinets or under your bed frame, stuff like that. And I've got them hooked up to this huge battery in my backpack and they're just going wild all over my body. So we did that. It was a little bit of a weird party. There was not enough people there to make it feel right, I guess. But I did do one little financial hack, which is I was reading the fine print and it said, hey, if you'll share this on social media, or if you'll find referrals, we'll pay you on Venmo. And I thought, let's see if this is legit. So my buddy was bringing some people. I'm like, hey, man, if you'll tell me their names, like I could get some money for referral and I'll buy the parking pass. So that way we don't have to. And sure enough, it it worked. Like, so I gave them the names, they got me some money. So we got at least, we got free parking, a little bit of discount out of the deal. So that was Saturday. And then Sunday, as you know, Cody, I love the fact that we can just walk to some really cool bars from our house. And so they were showing the local Austin major league soccer team was in the playoffs, one of the final four teams. And so they had a big kind of watch party there. So we walked down there and did that. But this upcoming week, we start to travel again. We're heading to Denver tomorrow for a concert at Red Rocks, which is like the coolest music venue in the world. So I'm really excited about that. How about you, Cody? Well, I got to say, we definitely need a picture of you as, do you have a name for this superhero slash Halloween costume? (laughs) We need it in the Facebook group. (laughs) Leslie was calling me the electric skeleton. Okay. Well, I want to see the electric skeleton, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would love to see the electric skeleton as well. So I've just been doing some exploring. We touched down in Hilo, Hawaii, just about a week ago, and we actually ended up moving apartments. Long story short, the other one didn't have AC. It was kind of just like old and a little bit run down. We have this awesome brand new apartment. They redid all the floors. It's actually cheaper to stay where we are now. It's a little bit farther outside of the city, but it's just a better fit all in all. And we got a rental car with it, which is a huge plus. So just been kind of exploring around. We've done a bunch of hikes and walks and there's just like waterfalls and nature everywhere in Hawaii for those who haven't been. And so we've been doing that. We went to the Green Sands Beach this past weekend, which is one of four in the world. And it's there's just a lot of stuff that's like unique to Hawaii because they have lava. Like it's literally in 2018 that had an eruption. So it's just like constantly reforming the earth, causing all these weird minerals and different things to change colors. And there's just a lot of cool nature here. So been doing some exploring. We are actually heading out not of Hawaii, but we're heading to another island. We're going to Oahu this week. We're going to be staying on the north side of the island. We're going to be doing a bunch of hikes, staying in like this hostel in North Oahu. We're doing Honolulu a few weeks from now, but the little puddle hopper planes here are like 
you can get a round trip for 50 bucks from island to island, which is just super convenient. So we're going to be doing a bunch of that and really excited to, again, escape the New England cold weather and just see the beauty Hawaii has to offer. But Justin, that's enough about us and what we're up to. Let's talk about the star of the show today, Alex Fasulo. So as I mentioned earlier, we had Alex back on episode 48, nearly 150 episodes ago, and she's just done so much since then. Most notably and most recently, she's wrote her book, Freelance Your Way to Freedom. And I just checked on Instagram this morning. She's trending number two on Amazon in all of books in business and finance. So she's absolutely crushing it. This book is helping people. Her audience seems to really be resonating with it. And we get to dive into just all of the things that she's learned. I mean, obviously back in episode 48, when she was making $350,000 as a freelance writer on Fiverr, she was crushing it. And she's been able to scale that business to new heights. She talks about how she's built the team. She started to outsource more. So she's not working these insane 16 hour days. If you guys want to listen back to the episode, she was grinding like she was putting in the work seven days a week. And now she's kind of taken her foot off the pedal a little bit, built a better system. And she teaches us in this episode exactly how you can do the same, whether you're doing freelance writing or something else. So I really liked reconnecting with Alex, just her sharing what's been going on over these past couple of years and how you can implement this into your own life. Cody, like you mentioned, you know, we had her on the show so long ago, and that's probably one of the coolest things to me is getting to see that growth. I mean, she did have this insane business. And so most people would probably think, don't change anything. Like you've got, you got over $300,000 worth of income coming in. You're doing these freelance jobs. You kind of work when you want to, but when you start peeling back the layers, like she was working so many hours and you could tell like the toll that was taken on her. And so I just think it's awesome to see the work that she put in to branch out and to do some different things, which, you know, was probably a little risky. She had to put a little bit of her business into other people's hands and have that trust in them. But now she's got something that she can actually handle and can scale. So now she's got that, that same kind of business but with so much less work. And now she's got this awesome book where hopefully a lot of other people out there can get their hands on it and start recreating a lot of the steps that she has. It's obviously something that's a real passion of hers. This is not one of those things where she's like, you know what, I just need to write a book because like maybe it'll make some money. Like This is something where she truly sees how normal people can take this as a way to get out of a job that they really don't love and to take control of their own life and create the lifestyle that they really want. So if you simply want a place to just grab a link for Alex's book, follow along with what she's been up to, or maybe there's someone in your life who you think you could share the story with, somebody that's struggling with a job that they're in, they're looking for a way to kind of build their own business, control their own time, you can find all that information over at thefyshow.com slash Alex2. That's thefyshow.com slash A-L-E-X and the number two. Take it away, Alex. My boredom always gets to me, which is a problem. So I've tried out a bunch of stuff since then. I'm still freelancing, but I am actually doing it more in a passive arrangement. So I do have a team. I do have freelance writers and virtual assistants. My best friend quit her job at a big four accounting firm to come manage the business for me. Very blessed for that. So I'm somewhat Fiverr retired, except not really because now I spend way more time creating content about it, essentially educating on it. So I'd say you find me today now in this like hybrid. Yes, I'm a freelancer, but I'm more so like a freelance commentator, content creator type of person. A bunch of weird things I've tried out. I got my real estate license this year, have not used it, just decided to. Dabbled in some investing in properties, discovered I don't love that for me, but we had to try that out to figure it out anyway. So, and I have a book coming out on freelancing in a month. So I'm more of like a freelancing personality, if you will, than I was three years ago. 
And what was the main thing that kind of drove that transition to go in more of that route where you're being more of a personality? That's a good question. I think two things, boredom out of just freelance writing every single day, wanting to just do different stuff. I love doing things for the first time. I love traveling to places for the first time. So just curiosity, boredom in that regard. And also just this desire I've discovered in myself or a passion really for educating education. I have a lot I actually want to do with general education. I'm starting to kind of come up with some ideas because I definitely think education in our country is broken. I'm not hating if anyone's listening. I'm not hating on anyone who's part of it. Like teachers are amazing and everything, but I think I have a passion for education. So I'm kind of getting like the experience with it almost right now for possibly something I want to do with it in the years to come. Who knows in my life what will be coming, but something in education. And for those who aren't following you right now, I know you're active on like every social platform pretty much. What type of content are you focusing on mostly? Right now, I'm actually doing a freelancing for beginners type of series across my entire channel. I would say it's a lot of tutorial stuff and then also a lot of AI stuff. I'm really big on AI and copywriting and all the different automation tools, apps, things people could be integrating into their freelancing businesses so they can work smarter and not harder. So I'd say it's a combo of all that I know after eight years of freelancing and then also looking forward. I've always loved like innovation, the new technology, all that stuff coming out. So I like to introduce that to my audience. Sometimes people don't want to hear about it though, but I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. I have to tell you. Someone needs to tell you. Well, you're talking about educating. You're talking about also some things that sound like newer kind of developments in the space. So if you were getting started today, what would you envision like where you would start today? Like what's the platform you'd start on? What's the type of service you would provide if you found yourself as a brand new freelancer to start from scratch today? All right. So you know what? I still think I'd say Fiverr, not because they have a great built out platform. There's still a lot of bugs, a lot of things that drive me nuts with it, but the volume of clients on it is still incomparable to other sites so far. There's a lot of people coming forward with startups and apps in the space like Revelance or Legit, Contra. There's a lot of them trying to kind of get in the game with Fiverr and Upwork. They haven't really been successful with it yet, but I'm rooting for them. I love some competition. So I would tell someone to get on Fiverr. I would tell them to set up their LinkedIn service page. So LinkedIn has its own kind of hidden freelancing page you can set up now. People don't know about it. And I'd optimize their LinkedIn profile for clients to be able to find them. As for what they should sell, I always am adamant about this. I can't ever actually tell someone what they should sell because it should totally be something that they are interested in. They have a genuine curiosity, passion for because that can be felt by the client. Um, so on Fiverr right now, you know, there's over 550 different services offered. I'm still doing freelance writing specifically, but there are just hundreds of options. I've seen the craziest stuff. I've seen personal stylists who do video calls to help people with their closet. I've seen people give critiques on fictional novels before they hit the shelves. People are really getting creative on there. I do love that side of it. So I would say you can really freelance anything. And I've only seen it expand in the last three years. And so since you have a particular focus on freelance writing and you've been freelance writing for the past... Eight years. Eight years. Okay. Have there been any shifts in topics? Like over the past couple of years, you know, we last spoke in 2019... Has there been any topics that are like, if you're going to become a freelance writer, like you might as well get versed in this topic because everyone's paying way more than other topics for this? 
Yeah, I would say it tends to line up with what's the latest fad. So for this year, it's died down a little bit. It's been all crypto, blockchain, Bitcoin, utility coin. I want to introduce my coin. I want to introduce my utility token. I want to write about NFTs. It tends to align with whatever's hot at the time. Actually, what's really cool about it for freelancers is I believe we kind of get a window into what's going to be cool. Because I will notice, you know, certain trends with topics and it will blockchain, Bitcoin, all of that really started to take off in 2020, which was before it, you know, peaked and then crashed, but peaked anyway. It is cool. You get to see what people are up to with different things. So I would say right now what's still hot with NFTs, with AI, blockchain, all of that is the most popular thing that's being booked. I have seen an increase in like holistic health remedies, herbal, that type of stuff kind of a move away from like the sports supplement and more into mushrooms you can pick in your woods. It's pretty funny, actually, uh, what people book. And I'm like happy to write about all of it. The only thing I say no to really is like intense medical stuff. I'm like, forget it. I don't want to do this. And is there a way to have a pulse on like that market research and know what it is that a lot of requests are coming for? I mean, obviously you're seeing it because you're out there receiving requests and you've got such a big kind of like brand and you know people are coming to you but for somebody starting out is there a way for them to know what is the thing that's getting popular you know i would say they wouldn't necessarily have to worry about it because it's very much a learn as you go type of thing so whenever a client places an order i still to this day i'll just paste you know their title or their suggestion into google i'll crawl it for better articles or more accredited sources i don't go on like little blogs and everything And you just start skimming these articles to write the blogs. And next thing you know, you kind of know all this random information that you don't know what you're going to do with it. I would say if anything, people should practice, you know, like their research skills or being able to skim articles, being able to read swiftly, write swiftly, I feel like is the best thing you could kind of develop. But you develop that as you're doing the orders. Fake it till you make it. Everyone hates that saying. And I'm not saying you have to fake it. But that's why I always say to people, charge cheap rates in the beginning, because I feel like you're being fair with the client by saying to them, like, hey, I'm brand new. I know nothing about like scavenging in the woods, just so you know. So I'm only going to charge you 20 bucks for this. And then they're happy because it's only 20 bucks. So they're like, cool, thanks for telling me that. You get all this invaluable experience. They're happy. You get a five-star review. And you only have to do that for a couple months, truly. So I do really want to kind of dive into building out a team. I know you mentioned that's something that you've really focused on in the past year, whereas before you were just a solo freelancer for seven years. I actually want to preface this question because before we hit go, you said sometimes people come at you, they're like, you know, Alex, you got a team, like all these income numbers are BS because like you have other people working for you. How much money had you made on Fiverr or freelancing, whatever number you want to put out up to the point where you made that first hire and started building out that team? You know, I actually have tried to do the math on this to shut people up. In 2020, I was working with one other writer at the time, and it wasn't until this most recent year. So the Fiverr profile has made almost 1.5 million. Based on what I have paid out my writers over the last few years, I can say that I made 1 million of it by myself. So for everyone hearing that, you can go smash your head against a wall. (laughs) I will go on the record. (laughs) There you have it. See, the only thing it's hard for me to prove that because I'm never going to take a screenshot of what I've paid my writers because that's their personal financial information that they do not want plastered (laughs) on the internet, obviously. 
So they're going to be like, prove it. Send me the tax return. I'm like, you know what? If I could, if my social security wasn't on it, I would send you my tax return. I do not care. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to preface that just to give you the credibility that you deserve because you were just absolutely crushing it for so many years before you even hired someone, which in my opinion, you probably waited too long as an outsourcer and passive income guy myself. But for someone who was in your shoes, like during those seven years of freelancing, can we kind of talk about that hiring process? Like, what is that first step before you even start to hire someone? Like, how do you systematize your business so that you can kind of hand it over to someone else to start taking and making their own? Yeah, so you're right. I waited way too long. And I think I put it off because I knew it wasn't going to be an easy process. And it hasn't been. It's all built out now, but I put it off for a while because I knew it was going to be a pain in the ass, basically. The way I have it set up right now, I feel like it could be still more organized than it is. Organization is not one of my fortes. That's why I hired my best friend. She kind of helps keep the chaos under control. But basically, my system now, and I cover this in my book, and also actually, I made a course like specifically on this is I'll take to my social media first. So if I'm having, you know, huge demand for blogs, website content, I'll identify like what kind of writer I need. I'll make a little graphic in Canva saying I'm hiring. I'll post it to my Instagram stories. That tends to be all I need to do. If you don't have a large following, you you can use LinkedIn, you can use Facebook, all of them. And I'll put very specific instructions in that post. So that's my first way of weeding people out because reading comprehension and all that is so important to being a freelance writer. Like you can't gloss over what the client is asking for. You have to like very carefully see that they don't want the word orange in it for whatever freaking reason. You know, like you have to catch that. So I have like almost trick questions in the first part of it. So then they're supposed to email me. So if they fail that, I'm kind of ruthless. I'll just delete it. I mean, I'm running a business. You know, I got to do what I got to do. So I'll delete it. If they pass that, I will give them first a live Fiverr order. And I'll give that same Fiverr order to like six of them. So generally, like one of them will do a good enough job that I am able to deliver it. I'll pay all of them. Depending on how they do that, how quickly, you know, I'll go on to the next one. That's kind of my hiring process. As for like getting them all set up, I rely heavily on Notion and Loom and Slack are my main things that I'm using on a day-to-day basis with onboarding them. And then Brie uses other tools for all the accounting and payroll. I don't know what, I think she uses QuickBooks or something (laughs) and PayPal. She does all that stuff for me. And as you have hired on more help and you've hired people, you know, you've delegated some things. What is something that you didn't really think you needed help with. You didn't think like this is going to be that valuable. But after you started getting someone to chip in and do that part of the business, it was a big change for you. I would say Brie and the financial help, mainly with taxes, because I got absolutely destroyed in taxes for 2021. My income jumped a lot that year from 2020. So I went into a new tax bracket and got absolutely annihilated. I'm like still not over it. So Brie has been very helpful with like tax strategizing, tax planning. We switched over to an S Corp. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know like why I'm going to save so much, you know. So I'm like an employee of my own organized corporation now, whatever. She has been trying to explain all this stuff to me and moving things around and, you know, doing all this stuff. That's going to save me a lot of money now for this year. So totally worth it, like saving tens of thousands of dollars status. So if you are getting started with this, don't wait forever to find a great bookkeeper slash CPA, you know, somebody who can actually tax strategize with you. And on the content front, in regards to hiring people and starting to outsource, what is kind of the quality control process? I know you mentioned you basically play the volume game, you have a bunch of people write articles for you, then you give like six people a live Fiverr order, the best one gets selected. 
after you onboard that person and they start writing stuff for you, like what is the process from your standpoint, or I don't know if you've hired someone under you that like QAs before you QA, but just how does the whole quality control happen there then? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. I'm like the opposite of micromanaging, possibly, you know, to a, a bad extreme. I do not monitor the quality on a day-to-day basis. Bree does. So that is actually what Bree's like main job is for me. So in the beginning, when I bring these people on, I will generally monitor what they're doing, the quality of their work for about a month, and I'll offer feedback and just, you know, be in there with them. Then after that, I hand it over to Bree. So Bree is personally glancing at the orders, and then she is the one who is delivering it as me on my Fiverr. If for people who are listening, Fiverr allows teams on there. They have Fiverr Studio and Fiverr Business. So I'm not breaking a single rule by doing this. They are aware that there are multiple people using my account. So everyone thinks that's like a gotcha moment. It's allowed and encouraged. And Fiverr knows that like freelancing agencies are kind of the future with where a lot of people are headed in business. So they are almost welcoming it on right now. So they're like more than happy with it and they're fine. But yeah, Brie will watch the day-to-day quality. If we deliver an order and the client writes back, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I need a refund. Occasionally, Brie will bring that to my attention and I'll have to go in and discover what went wrong. 95% of the time, it's the client being totally insane. But I will then you know, glance at the order. And if I see that something was, eh, I will go back to the writer and be like, hey, just so you know, can't do this, can't do that. I'll do some of the revisions sometimes. So it's not like totally passive, but I would say on a weekly basis, I probably put one to two hours in throughout for the whole week, which you guys know is crazy compared to the 12 hour days I was doing like every day for like five years. Yeah. I mean, like I know before you were talking about just like how much you were doing, you were talking about trying to go on personal trips and sneaking stuff in between and like going out, you know, going to like the bathroom during dinner to try to sneak out like an email or something. So how has that like changed your personal life? I mean, it seems like that would just be night and day the way life is now for you. That's a good question. I feel like it's been good and bad for my personal life because I was just kind of on this autopilot of like not having a lot of a personal life so that you don't really have to like deal with the things that come with a personal life. Now that I have a personal life, yeah, it's good and bad. I have more free time, which is like a double-edged sword for me because I definitely have, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. I, I call it like an obsessive personality and I prefer to have it be productive obsessions as opposed to bad ones. So like right now I'm reading way too many books and all that stuff. So I'm still getting used to it. I'm trying to find a healthy balance. I'm trying to figure out how to like relax and meditate. Me and meditation don't go well together. So more walks, more calming down. I've been trying to yeah, like take time for me, which I'm really bad at. So 
it's been a weird year and a half for me having time back. I've had like a lot of spiritual reflection periods, things where I'm like, oh, that's a good part of me. And moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm an asshole with that. Oh my God. Like I just realized this now and I have to do something about it. So I've been having a lot of like that going on. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking to your personal life, this is a personal finance podcast. We won't get into like every single number down to what's in your bank account, but your income has jumped pretty substantially in the past couple of years. How has that looked on the expense side for you? Like, have you started to just buy the Lambo and buy the mansion on the water or (laughs) how have your expenses, if at all, climbed as your income has climbed? So I'm pretty frugal with spending. I'm definitely a big saver and I feel like I'm happy at how much I saved over the last eight years. Because it allowed me to, in the past two years, I've been active with real estate. So I bought my home, which is on a canal in Southwest Florida. So it wasn't obviously the cheapest thing in the world. And then I bought two investment apartments in Miami. I actually haven't told anyone this. I recently sold one of them for a gain, I guess. Is that what you say in the market for a gain? That is what you say. (laughs) Do I sound like fancy? (laughs) Um, I sold one of them. So right now I have one apartment in Miami and a house. And I bought a... Jeep. I don't think I had bought it yet when I talked to you guys. I bought my Jeep in cash. So I paid that off. And everyone's like, oh my God, you shouldn't have done that. I, You know, in my book, I get very sassy and explain why I'm still happy I did that. So those are like three big things that I dropped obviously a lot of money on in the past two years. And then that's about it. Now I'm just kind of like holding steady, not to say I don't spend a lot of money on like travel and eating out and stuff. I definitely do. I kind of need to reel that in a little bit too. But I'm otherwise just holding now again until I build it back up type of thing. So I splurge for me. I bought some big toys. (laughs) (laughs) But it feels like you've built something much more sustainable now. So like when you talk about building it back up, like that's probably not quite as stressful because you know that you don't have to sacrifice so much of your personal life in order to build that back up and do it a couple hours a week. It's like no no deal. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, um, it's not as stressful at all. But because I do have a team, I do have Brie and writers under her and VAs under her. I'm not taking home quite as much as I used to when it was just me. So it's a much more calm, sustainable buildup as opposed to these like huge, like 35K this month, like boom type of thing. It's more steady now, which I like. It's a nice, you know, change of pace. So I think I'm holding firm on spending because I'm spending a lot of time right now figuring out what I want to do with my brand, what types of things I want to be offering, programs, workshops. I'm thinking about, got the book. I want to write more books. So I'm kind of trying to figure out my brand for my 30s. I'm 29 right now. I'm going to be 30 in four months. So I'm like, all right, this is a good time to... Like, what's my brand for my 30s type of thing? Pivot into the next decade. Love it. Yeah. I know when we were on IG Live, Alex, we kind of did some backed out into the math and I know you couldn't share exact numbers, but I thought the percentages were really interesting and something that our audience would be something that they'd want to hear. If they were trying to look into doing this model, whether it was freelance writing or just some other business, what is the margin that you're taking home versus what you're paying your writers and other staff that Mm -hmm. you have on your team? Yeah. So we were talking about it. It can vary, but I have estimated it's about 40 to 35% that I take home from the business. That can be due to clients canceling orders, revisions we didn't foresee and that type of thing. So it can vary. But yeah, I take home around 35 to 40% after everyone's paid out and the software is accounted for. And I know in some business models, people take home like 75% type of thing. That's great. I've never like judged what other people are doing, but I'm happy with that. 
it's important to me that everyone is being paid fairly and that I'm doing this ethically. So I'm content with it. And with paying fairly and doing it that way, do you feel like you've had a pretty good luck with kind of like from a retention standpoint, like people sticking around and working with you and you're not having to retrain people all the time? Yeah, exactly. I would say that like the first guy who worked with me stuck around for two and a half years and he ended up leaving because he got a full-time job with benefits and he got married and I think he wanted to start a family and stuff. So I was like, all right. The main two writers I work with now and then Brie, they've been with me for 16 months now, all three of them. So I would say I have a good retention rate as far as freelancing goes, because there's a lot of churning in the freelancing world. So yeah, I would say that that counts for and I always like to give people little like bonuses here and there. And I always write nice stuff and send a lot of emojis and everything. People would probably think this because they say from my social media, I seem intimidating, whatever. I'm like the world's nicest boss. Like I'm like too nice, probably. (laughs) So now that you've onboarded, actually, how many people do you have onboarded? With the freelance writing? Yeah, freelance writing team, give or take. I know it probably fluctuates. Yeah, I'm right now, it's just actually a main four of us. It can change, but it's two writers that I rely on heavily. Sometimes there's two more in the rotation and Brie and a virtual assistant. So it's me and four of them on any given day. Okay. And the reason why I asked that was I'm imagining now that your brand has grown, you're just like all over every social media platform that the demand for you has grown as well. And I'm wondering if with building out this team, have you been able to field like all of the requests you get? Or do you have to turn people down sometimes because you just don't have capacity? Oh, no, I would say with the freelance writing order specifically, between Brie and two writers, they're definitely able to take it on. Because mind you, I was able to take it on just alone for a while, which like wasn't healthy at all. (laughs) Yeah, working 12 hour days. (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) not good. I would say they're able to handle all of it. That's also because I've moved into like higher quality services, clients. So it's become a little less about the volume and a little more about these bigger orders that are worth more getting into eBooks, which can take a couple days to write. And that's just one order. So since I've kind of migrated, I've raised my rates since I talked to you guys too which cuts out the amount of clients. But since your rates were raised, it doesn't impact it at all. So I haven't noticed anything along those lines. That would be nice, though. I'm going to put that out there. (laughs) And this is something we probably talked, you know, a lot more about in that first episode, but just kind of sprinkling in here a little bit, you just talked about like raising your rates. What could somebody kind of expect? Like you you talked about paying your dues a little bit and lowering those rates to kind of get started. How often would you recommend somebody revisiting what their rates are? I tell people because changing your rates on these marketplaces does drop you out of the algorithm usually for a couple weeks because it has to like crawl all that new information. So I tell people to do it every six months. They want to do it every three. And I kind of warn against that. I'm like, I understand why you would want to do that. But I'm a big fan of six months because if you have a lot of loyal clients, you want to tell them about it, ease them into it. You can't just hit them every three months with the, oh, I raised it. You know, they will start to get annoyed and you do want to take some of them with you. So I tell them every six months is a good time to reflect on it. My prices have kind of hit the ceiling as far as Fiverr goes. I haven't really changed them in like a year and a half. You can kind of only, you know, get so high with them on Fiverr. That's why I'm a fan of LinkedIn though. LinkedIn's still new with all of this, but the clients on LinkedIn tend to have much bigger budgets since they're the CEOs of places and they're happy to pay for articles to make themselves look good, that type of thing. So they have much larger budgets. So I've been kind of experimenting with doubling down on LinkedIn and potentially moving into a higher paying client than Fiverr can offer. Awesome. 
So I know you've freed up a lot of your time, like Justin had just asked, and you just talked about for a couple of minutes. What types of things are you focusing on now? I know we haven't even talked about this, and we didn't talk about this when we hopped on Instagram together, but like you launched a podcast, you launched an app, you were doing like an Airbnb business, like you were doing so much kind of random stuff all over the place. And I know you mentioned you get bored quickly. What's the next thing? And maybe we can just talk about some of those and what you learned, what was good and what was bad. Yeah. Okay. I tried out a lot of stuff, right? We were talking about this. So I discovered I hate building apps. So that one, we got that one done. I hate Airbnb. It's a great business. I'm not saying it's not, but I am not a like customer service rep type of person in that way. So I discovered that. I discovered I don't like being a landlord. I've learned a lot of invaluable things though. Like I'm kind of like cleaning out here. What I have discovered that I do like is writing. Duh. So writing books, (laughs) a podcast I have three seasons of. I enjoy talking with people and all that. I'm not totally in love with podcasting, but I could be convinced otherwise. Like, I don't know, I'm going to put this out there. Maybe if my book ever blew up and there was a lot of new interest on everything, I'd be happy to kind of keep doing more episodes. If you guys are listening, I'm not done with the podcast. I'll do a season four at some point. But for the future, for now in the future, wrote a book, loved every second of it. I want it to be successful so badly because I want to write literally 15 other books. So I'm hoping. That is something that's coming for me. I've also discovered how much I like teaching, how much I like education, how many opinions I have on education. So I've been starting to research possibly getting into the live teaching workshop realm as opposed to the pre-sold online courses where I'm actually live with people because I really do enjoy that and helping people in that way. And then AI and all that. So I've been testing out all the AI copywriting apps. And I really like them and believe in them. So I'm going to probably look into doing affiliate stuff with them, writing blogs with them and that type of thing. I feel like those are my three buckets right now after I like tried out 50 things. The AIML piece to me is interesting because I don't know that it's something people are as familiar with. You seem to be really interested in it, really into it. Like, What's your pitch on what that can bring? Yeah. So I tried it out actually in a YouTube video and it blew my mind. I did not think it was as advanced as it is with written content because I'd heard a lot of people kind of hating on it. I was listening. I was like, oh, it's a long ways away. I downloaded it. No, it's not. So already what it can do for any writer is give you titles, subtitles, talking points, bulleted lists of things. It can organize out any topic for you. So the days of wondering, how should I organize this out? what should the points be? How should I write this title are gone? Like a machine can do it for you now, which is incredible. I mean, this is like the biggest thing that's ever happened to this industry. The implications of it are massive. And then when you generate the actual blog itself, I'd say 50% of the time, it generates a blog that you could go on Fiverr and sell for $25 to $30. So that's huge too. What does this mean for freelance writing and writers? You know, Are we going to be replaced in the future? I'm not so sure, but I always say to people, instead of sitting there and wondering and worrying to find out, why don't you download these apps yourself and just learn how to work with them? It's like the only constant in life has changed. So I really feel like we are really close to having AI disrupt so much stuff so quickly that I don't think people are going to be ready for it. I feel like we're within like two years of all of a sudden, like AI running everything. And I just feel like it's coming. I don't know. I feel like I want to be aware of it. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with staying prepared. For those who are listening who want to stay prepared and want to learn more about this, what are the systems that you're testing out right now? 
Yeah, so I'm testing out all the copywriting ones. So the main ones are Copy AI, Jasper AI, Copymatic AI. Someone told me about a fourth one the other day. I wrote it down. I also have been playing around with an app. This isn't necessarily AI, but it's crazy. It's called Wethos. Have you heard of it? W-E-T-H-O-S? No. If you look it up, it's essentially your own freelancing business set up for you. You don't have to open a website. You don't have to go on Fiverr. It has invoicing. It has everything. And it's just free. I don't know what the catch is. <laughs> but just anyone listening, like, I don't know. Someone told me it on one of my Instagram polls. If you notice, I do polls on Instagram a lot. I love like data and, and hearing what people have to say. So like I looked at that. That's crazy. I've been playing around with Dream AI. Have you heard of that one? Nope. Now the new one. It, like, it, okay. It like generates aesthetics. So I've been seeing on TikTok, these people like creating these made up lands. So it's like about to replace art and graphic designers. I mean, it's just crazy. Like those are just like five of the ones I've been playing around with every day. It's like, they're fun to me. I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's like the art AI is creating is new art that hasn't been made before. And it's like beautiful. So I'm just like looking at this art every day and I'm just like, wow, like this is crazy. But I also can see the danger of like getting lost in it because it's almost like alluring and like captivating and dark and brooding this machine is making. And I'm like, wow, I can see people are going to get like lost in these headsets and like not come out of them. I'm not saying it's a good thing for humanity. <laughs> I'm going to go on the record. Right now. I'm not saying like this is good. I'm just saying it's here. Yeah, I actually just saw an article a couple of weeks ago that I think got really popular. It was about a certain piece of art that won like a big competition that was AI generated. Yeah. And there's this whole discussion of, does that count? Is that real? You know, like, is that fair? Can the person who fed this algorithm some images, should they be considered an artist? You know? Oh my God, that's wild. Yeah, people are bringing up that same ethical question with AI writing a blog that you sell to a person. They're like, is that fair? Should you tell them? like all this stuff. And it's really interesting time to be in because there is no answer yet to that. People have opinions on it. It's wild, all of it. All right. Well, let's get into one of the reasons why we brought you on today, Alex, and that is your new book, Freelance Your Way to Freedom. <laughs> Hell yeah. You always don't want to talk about it because you don't want to sell yourself, but you wrote a whole book teaching people how you kind of started as a freelancer all the way to freedom. Tell us about the book. Like, I guess, what just start? Why'd you write it? Not to get too spiritual, but I really knew when I was four years old that I was here to write books. I'm not kidding. Like, I just knew that is one of my callings. So, when a woman found me on TikTok back at the end of 2020, she emailed me and said, Hi, I'm a literary agent. You know, here's my work. I'm connected to all these publishing houses. I think I could pitch you for writing a book. I was like, This is the best email I've ever gotten in my entire life. Hello, please call me. I always find when something is meant for you in a divine way, it happens so effortlessly in a lot of ways, both the opportunity and your output of it. So it just kind of like came to be, you know, she pitched it, Wiley picks it up and they kind of told me not the topic, but they said, you know, Hey, since it's your first book, why don't we do a kind of catch all business book? Obviously you're not like famous enough to have a book about you. And I'm like, no, I know. Like, I don't want to write about me. I want to write about the things I know. And they're like, so let's start with this catch-all business book. Let's see how it does. Let's see how it performs. And then based on that, we'd be happy to work with you on some of your other ideas. So I was like, works for me. So the topic kind of came about because they asked for it. And I'm more than happy to shelf my pride and like get it done. And that's why I'm so crazy about marketing it right now because they're watching how many it sells. And a lot is going to be based off of the popularity of this first book. But I have so many other books that I want to write. So it kind of just came to be... Very naturally, it's everything I know from freelancing, side hustling, 
going viral on social media, how I've managed my money is in there. It's really just everything that I know. And it's crazy. I wrote it in only four weeks. It like just flowed out of my brain. I don't even remember writing it. Sometimes when I open it up to a page, I'm like, don't remember writing that. Don't remember (laughs) writing that. And it's really crazy because that's like a flow state. They talk about that in a lot of the books I read. You drop down, I think it's like out of your beta brainwaves into theta, I believe it is. And you kind of like detach from your body almost. And it just like flows from like the ether. It flows from like, your subconscious. It's really crazy. I'm sure you guys have been in like flow states. You're doing something you love. You know, you kind of like lose track of time. You don't eat food. And that's what happened to me writing this book. So I'm really proud of it. I'm very excited about it. And I really want it to do well because I want to write so many more books. You can tell the enthusiasm. And I'm curious, like thinking about that timeline, you know, if they reach out in 2020, that feels like it's probably still around the same time where you were doing a lot of the work with Fiverr, like yourself. I'm just curious if that drove this kind of like push for you to think about, I need to expand this team and pull back some so that I can be more of a writer and I can start to write these books. Like how did those two journeys intersect? Yeah, Justin, that's very astute of you to point out. That's probably a huge driving force behind it. Me subconsciously knowing that I need to pivot away from what I'm doing if I want to be able to share all that I know now with people. And I think I also had different people in my life at that same time kind of funnily say to me, oh my gosh, after seven years of doing this, you have a lot to probably share with people. You probably have a lot of insight, wisdom, experience. You should go out there and start sharing it with people. And then this book kind of came. It was really crazy, divine timing, all of it. So that absolutely was a driving force behind me, knowing that I can only write so much in a day. So if I want to write 10,000 words into my own book, I can't also write a blog for someone. Plus, when you're writing for someone else, it kind of takes away from your own creativity for the day. So I was starting to feel protective of my creativity when the book kind of came into my life. And I definitely think it kicked me into actually building out a freelancing team, which I waited for everyone. I waited too long to do. You don't have to wait five years, six years. Please do it at like your second year. And who's kind of the target avatar for this book? Like, is this someone who has never made a dollar online and they want to be a freelancer or... Is it for beginner freelancers who want to take it to the next level or intermediate freelancers who want to take it to advanced where you're at? Yeah, that's always my problem actually with marketing is it appeals to so many people, but you you know, they always say you should like have an actual person in mind. So like the subtitle of it obviously is how to free yourself from the corporate world and build a life of your dreams. So one major person I had in mind is the unhappy, spiritually destroyed person at their corporate job. I feel for them. I've worked corporate jobs. I've seen a lot of my friends suffer at them mentally, emotionally. I think it's like abuse in a lot of ways. So I had that person in mind. I had my fellow millennial who was sitting at that desk hating their life so much. That's who I was thinking of is this will show you everything you need to know to leave that job responsibly. You know, I'm not telling you to go day trade or do crazy betting and stuff like that. Like this will sustainably show you how to leave that job and not have a horrible existence. I really don't want people to have to suffer, I guess. <laughs> That's who I had in mind. That being said, there's stuff in here for people who are already freelancing. There is stuff in here for parents, single moms, single dads. There is stuff in here if you are a baby boomer. It's like anyone who wants to make money freelancing, make money on your laptop, travel the world. I mean, there's stuff in here for you. And how would you kind of describe the type of book it is? Is it got some workbook feel to it? Is it kind of like do these tasks or is it kind of general discussions of what you did? A little bit of both. It doesn't have any workbook stuff to it, but it's definitely a business book. Yeah. And that there's case studies. 
There's bulleted summaries at the end of each chapter. There's links. So I like break down every freelancing site I've ever used. I link to it and I tell you what's good and what's bad about it. It's very like educational business book. I mean, it still feels like it's got like some <laughs> guide aspect to it, even if you're not like filling out your own stuff. Like it's like a, a guide. It's like taking you through step it's by a step. Guide. Okay. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. It's a guide with like 20% of it. They let me like throw in my own funny opinions and stories and, you know, because it makes them more interesting. So they're stories. It's not boring. I promise. Do you have a, and I don't want to spoil it because I want people to check out your book, but do you have a favorite case study? And the reason I asked this question, I don't know if you remember, Alex, but I had sent you an episode from our friend Nick Loper's podcast, Side Hustle Nation, of this girl who was doing like 90K a month on Fiverr. And she gave you a shout out. She's like, I follow Alex Vasulo. She's the Fiverr queen. Like she's absolutely killing it. I can't believe I'm at where I'm at today. And it was insane. I'm like 90K a month. That's insane. Any that come to mind from your book? You know, what's funny is because it came out of me in like a flow state. You don't remember? (laughs) I can't think of any specifically. And this is actually just wrapped on another book right now because it has not hit the warehouses. So you're just going to have to buy it to find out. I promise. (laughs) I can remember like there's some funny ones in there. I talk about case studies with clients that went absolutely apeshit at me for no reason. Like I've had like funny, horrible experiences. And I put that in there. There's some like funny stuff in there that I haven't shared on podcasts. Of like the not so good moments with freelancing, it's very real. Now that you are getting more out there on, like you know, spending more time doing the social media stuff, putting the content out there, do you find that you're getting more people reaching out and telling you about the impact that you've made for them? Yes, all the time. That's been a really crazy part of this, and I actually don't know how to talk about it because I don't want people to think I'm like humble bragging to bring that up. But it's a funny phenomenon. I wish I could talk more about. I guess, but. Yeah, it's really unbelievable between my email, my social channels. It's like every single day, dozens of people reach out to me to tell me that. It's like half the time I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. I feel so blessed that I get to do this down here. But then there's the other half of me sometimes that's like, this is really heavy. (laughs) It's kind of like a two-way thing with it. So people reach out to me all the time. I mean, I've had letters sent to me from prisons, people writing to me in prison that they're watching me to develop skills there. That's like a whole nother avenue. I might, who knows? <laughs> the Senate started a little weird. People from prison watching me. I was like, I'm getting a little worried there. For yeah, I know. <laughs> no, like this guy, he wrote that. It was such a nice letter though. It was like, I take full responsibility for why I'm in here, but like I'm using your stuff to build a new life for myself. Like I, stuff like that, where I'm just like, holy shit. And then that's why I also get on my social media and I'm so encouraging of people to start posting. Because you don't know what inmate halfway around the world is going to see your thing. And there is nothing more rewarding than that. I don't care what nice car you have. I don't care whatever. I'm not trying to say that to sound like Mother Teresa. Like you literally, spiritually, physically, when somebody reaches out to you and tells you that there's nothing like it. And it's the best I think you can feel as a human. Well, I think that is the perfect spot to end the conversation and ask people who want to be affected like this guy halfway across the world in prison, where they can follow along, where they can buy your book, Freelance Your Way to Freedom, and just, you know, stay in touch and hear all the good things you have to say about freelancing and teach them your ways. So if you guys look me up on any social media app, I'm literally on all of them. Alex Fasulo, you will see the spelling there. My book is linked in my bio on all of my social media apps. And it's also linked on my website, alexfasulo.com. So it's pretty easy across the board there. And when can people expect to actually get their hands on like a book if they were to order one? November 15th, hitting the warehouses on 
Halloween, so it will be out everywhere. So that's not that far away. It's kind of close now. Well, Alex, thank you so much for giving us some time. I know we hope that some people have listened to your story on our podcast to get some of that same great feedback where, you know, you've changed their life. You've definitely have an incredible story where you've built this whole brand. I mean, you are the Fiverr Queen. So thank you for giving us some time. <laughs> thank you guys for having me on. I always love chatting with you too. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this with a friend. And also, don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way, every Wednesday, you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.